What's happening? How are you doing? So good to see you guys. Hey, thank you real quick for being here. And I know Memorial Day weekend is usually pretty busy. So before we dive into this, um, man, definitely know um, as staff, we, we appreciate um, everybody that served, people who have given up their lives for the freedom for us to do this right now. Um, we don't take any of that for granted. So, man, if you have active military in your family, if you're serving, if you have family that's fallen, um, please remember today. I uh, mean, this weekend, just to, to remember, um, we, this isn't free. This, this is because somebody gave up um, their freedom so we could have ours. I'm glad you're here serving with us today. And a part of, of this, um, man, definitely have to say hello to Santan, Scottsdale. Hope you guys are having a great service out there. This, this is going to get a little bit nutty, just, just so you know. Um, we're we're going to dive into something today. Um, that does not make any sense. And I don't know how to make it make sense. So um, hopefully we'll be confused together and we'll all leave here um, less confused, hopefully. Um, we're looking today at, at, and I don't know if you've noticed this with God, but he has this really weird way of he makes something that's normal in the rest of the world and then he says something with it and it's totally the opposite and it's not normal anymore. He, he has these weird concepts um, and I swear if God had Twitter, like it would blow up because people would like tweet his stuff all the time and take credit for it like we do. Um, but he, he says like the world says this and then God says this and sometimes you just sit there and you look and you're like, are you serious? Maybe, maybe I read that wrong. So you go back in and read it. Um, that, that's part of what we're looking at today. Today, we're going to look in the, the weird way that God has called us to love people. Um, and, it, and it's super strange. And in studying and kind of preparing for this, what, I've, what I did to get ready, um, I drank a lot of energy drinks. And then I went out to places where there were a lot of people and just watched, which I realized when I said that earlier, just how creepy that was <laughs> and why people had weird reactions to me. Um, it makes so much more sense now. I started watching just how people interact with each other. And I, I have this belief that innately, when, when, when we're born, pushed inside of us naturally is this push for justice. We, we have, and, and all of us have us. It doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, it doesn't matter where you're from, it, it's worldwide. I, I think when we're born, we have this desire that's pushed inside of us for justice. Um, and, and I believe that if you look at little kids, you, you get a two-year-old that's just learning how to walk and, and can barely do some things. You steal a toy from them and they're like a puma. They're jumping around like scissor kicking. They're running faster than two they've ever ran before. They're taking things back. They're saying things. Their vocabulary increases. Um, their, their agility, it, it's just nuts. And it's because their justice has been stepped on. And now they're trying to figure out how to make that straight because inside all of us, we have a desire for justice. Um, but it doesn't stop with kids. It's more fun to mess with with kids because it's safer, but it continues into adulthood. You do it. Somebody's pulling, you're on, you're on the 202. In the HOV, doing your business, you're going like 90, like you're supposed to in the HOV. Somebody pulls in front of you going 40. Your justice has just been trampled on. So you do what any good Christian would do. You get right on their bumper to tell them about Jesus. Um, <laughs> Or you fly around them real quick and slam on your brakes so they can see your cornerstone sticker so they know where to come on Sunday. Um, you don't look at them and you, 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 nobody ever pulls out in front of you and you, you, you don't think, oh, bless their heart. I bet they're in a rush to get to the bookstore at the church before it closes so they can buy a Bible and read through it in a year. And this is, you don't think that. You think, what is this jack wagon doing pulling in front of me? Do they not understand how busy I am? And so we act out 
in a way to justify the injustice that's been done to us. It's called retaliation. And what's scary with it is because we've been born with this natural desire for, for justice, in that it's bred this desire for retaliation. And what it does though is it creates this huge soup, this mix of revenge, because what happens, somebody steps on our justice, so we retaliate. And now we've just stepped on somebody else's justice, so they retaliate. And now our justice has just been stepped on again. So we retaliate. And before you know it, revenge is involved and it just messes up everything. Um, and it makes you bitter and angry. Um, and you wind up living by yourself with like 60 cats. Um, and it's scary because that loop never ends. Sometimes, and some of us do this, we even, we, we try to, to make it okay. So you're, you're driving along. Um, and I realized today I have a lot of road rage. Maybe that's where this is going. Um, you're driving along and maybe you're the one that pulls out in front of somebody and you realize it and this very seldom happens um, but but you realize that you were at fault so you give them kind of the "ooh, i'm sorry wave and, and that does one of two things usually it, it either the person behind you they see that and they think oh okay and, and then you're fine with it or they see that and they think what is this guy doing did he just flip me off what just happened and it just increases and now mad max is happening on the 202 and you're trying to figure out how did this happen and what it does in this cycle it gets us to say things that we can't take back. It gets us to do things that we can't undo. It, it gets us to be a part of something that we never dreamed we'd be a part of. And it, it, it condemns us. It, it comes in and just destroys us. And it's perfectly normal. If we're going to take God's word today serious, and we're going to learn to love our enemies, which is what Jesus tells us to do, before we can do that, we have to understand, and, and this is pivotal, this, this, is, this may be the whole reason you're here or watching or, or listening to me right now. We have to grasp this incredible truth that God loves you and that his love for you has nothing at all to do with you. His love for you is totally 100% based on who he is and not who you are. He loves us with this unconditional love and it's, it's like folded together in this really beautiful word called grace. And grace is incredible. Grace is this word that means it, you get it, but you don't deserve it. Grace is where you're, you're given something that you had no way of earning. Grace is something that, that's so beautiful that you'll never be good enough that you deserve grace. Grace is, is so amazing. It, it covers all of our sins. It, it, it totally is how God looks at us and loves us. It, it's how we do things that are wrong in front of God. And he looks at us and instead of being vengeful, like full of vengeance on us, he, he looks at us with love and compassion and mercy. And, and it's all wrapped around this beautiful word called grace. If we don't understand even just a little bit of grace, if we can't open our eyes to just even just a squint as to what that word means, we're never going to understand how to love each other. So um, to understand grace, I, I asked a friend of mine to help out. Um, because I think this will make sense. So Cole, come on up, man, and help me out. Help me welcome Cole up here real fast, guys. Um, Cole, come on up, dude. So you, you probably recognize Cole. Um, he works in the, the coffee shop up here, so give him a big tip later on. Um, one of our college students. Great dude. So I moved here about four years ago, met Cole, and I realized real quick that Cole and I had a little bit in common. Um, and I don't know how this happens. Some people are born this way, some people aren't. But I'm a hugger by nature. I just, I love hugs. I, I like giving hugs. I like receiving hugs. I like everything that has to do with hugs. I'm not a handshaker. I'm an occasional high fiver, but deep down inside, when I give you a high five in my mind, I'm giving you a hug. <laughs> when I met Cole, I realized something really quick. Cole is born from the same 
like vain that I am. He's a hugger. And that is part of what fueled our friendship early on. I noticed something really quick though, that people are really weird when it comes to hugs. So I, I wanna walk through some hugs real quick with you. <laughs> Cole's gonna help me out with that. In doing this, I just need you to not look at the person beside you and go, this is you, because that's hateful. Um, that is not loving your neighbors and you're gonna create an enemy, which we're gonna talk about in a minute and it's gonna take me an extra 45 minutes and we're gonna, it, it'll be horrible. So. Just, you can think it, just don't say it or point. Um, there's several different types of hugs that this world has to offer. Um, one of them is, is kind of the it's, the, it's the happy hugger. It's the person, and you know them, and you've seen them, and usually it involves teenage girls, and they do this with their hands, which I don't know what that means, but it's when they walk into a room, and they're like, call, and they run over, and they're so excited to see you, and there's wagging involved in that, usually. Um, that, that's, that's one of them that's out there. There's... Um, this is possibly the most uncomfortable. This is the weirdest of all of them, and this may scar some of you. Um, it's the, I don't know what to do with my head hug. Um, and that's where you're going in and you're trying to hug, and everywhere you go, it's like a serpentine dance. All right, quit, you're, you're freaking me out. Um, you don't know what to do, and it's, and it's just there. Um, guys are big on this one. Um, it's the bro hug, and that's where we go in and we're like, sup, dude. Um, it's a pat, and, that, and I don't know what sup means. Um, <laughs> I think SUP is like, how are you doing? Did you see the fights? I got a trains to change mission in my car. Um, my dog ran away. SUP can mean anything, but we throw that in there. Um, there there's several different types. There's, there's the, the people who don't like hugs. Um, you're my favorite. <laughs> um, it's the people who, who they can't embrace the hug. And so when you go in for the hug, they, they don't know what to do. And you're, you're trying and, and it usually ends in a handshake and a hand hug. Um, so just so you know, when I wrap this hand around yours, I'm hugging you. You just don't know it. That's what's happening. Um, th there's, there's lots of different ones. There, there's also the, the over hugger. Um, th these are the people who abuse hugs. These are the people who have taken something beautiful and take advantage of it. These are the guys that when they're coming in, they're like, Cole, what's happening, dude? Hey, how you doing, man? Good to see you. Um, Hey, dude, did you see the fights? Dude, that was so yeah. crazy. That was awesome. Man, so hey, I was driving to work. I stopped at Starbucks. You like Starbucks? Oh. And usually there's like six or seven of them in there, and only one would suffice. You don't need all the other ones. Um, there's the person who doesn't know when to let go of the hug. And this one is super weird because it usually involves a hug that's normal that you think is just going to take a minute. Usually involves a rub, maybe a pat. And every now and then, and this is usually where it breaks, there's a, hmm. Yeah, if there's a, no, no, that's good. If there's a sigh, that's, it's too far. And then as Christians, because we had to take this to a whole new level, um, we do something totally different just because we're Christians. So we, we invented this hug that makes it totally safe for everybody. It's called the side hug. And because we all know that side hugs make friends and front hugs make babies. So we come in from the side like this. Um, and we, we, we leave it kind of right there. Um, Cole, thanks, dude. No, ah. no. Definitely. Oh. We, um, we have taken this beautiful gift called grace. And for many of us, we treat it like a hug. It's super uncomfortable. It's uber uncomfortable. It makes no sense to us. We don't know where it's going to go, and we don't know what to do with it. And so we treat this beautiful gift of grace that God's given us 
just, just like that. Some of us run from it. Some of us don't want anything to do with it. Some of us, because we see what God has done in our life and we remember how far we've gone, man, we, we run and we embrace grace with all that we have. Some of us fight it. And if we fight God's grace, we can never understand how to show his grace to others. And that, that's kind of where this starts. So, I mean, if you've got a Bible, go to Matthew 5. We probably should pray again just to help get some of those images out of your mind. Um, <laughs> go to Matthew 5. We're going to be at the end of Matthew 5, starting in verse 43. We're going to look at something that Jesus said that totally, it, it's, it's weird. It doesn't make sense. Um, and I don't get it fully, but I want to. Matthew 5, starting in verse 43. Jesus starts with this. He says, if you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And this makes sense. This, it doesn't matter who you are. You can believe in Jesus. You cannot believe in Jesus. You can just have woken up and thought you were at a movie theater and accidentally walked in here. This verse makes sense to you. Love your, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Let, let me explain who those are. Your neighbors are people who think like you. Your neighbors are people who root for the same football team. It's easy to love them. They're people who have the same ideas or mindsets that you have. Your neighbors are the people that, that don't annoy you when they talk to you. Your neighbors are people that when they call you and you pull out your phone, you're like, oh, and you're excited and you actually hit like talk instead of decline. Your neighbors are people that when they walk in the room, you, you enjoy their company. Um, loving your neighbors is easy. These are, and, and think through for a second, people in your life that are easy to love, these are your neighbors. And, and Jesus is saying, man, you've heard it said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. Your enemies are people that don't think like you. They're cowboy fans. They're, they're people that their minds just work totally different than your mind. You go one direction, they go another. They're, when they talk to you, they're like fingernails on a chalkboard. When they call, you look at your phone and you're like, oh, and you put it back in your pocket. The enemy, these are people who are, are hard to love because they, they're so different from you, it doesn't make sense. And everything, you do, everything that they do, you would do the direct opposite. And Jesus is saying, man, it, it's, it's easy. And you've heard it said before, love your neighbor, love those that are, are like you and hate your enemies. Love the people who are easy to love and do dislike the people who aren't. That, that makes perfect sense, that's normal. He goes on in verse 44, but Jesus says this, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And, and I don't know about you, but even reading this, I'm thinking, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Why would I love somebody that's done something wrong to me? Why would I pray for somebody that's persecuting me unless it's the prayer of God, please give them like a disease and ultimate diarrhea. Give that, I can pray that prayer. <laughs> love your enemies and pray for people persecuting you. I, I, don't, I don't know about that. It's totally opposite of what the world says is normal. You've heard it said, love your neighbors, hate your enemies, but I'm going to tell you, but Jesus is going to say, love your enemies and pray for those who are persecuting you. That has got to be the weirdest thing in the world. Why would anybody do that? Why would you show love to someone who doesn't deserve it? Why would you show love and even more, why would you pray God's blessing on somebody that actively does things to hurt you? 
Why would you ask God to show up and bless somebody who's, who's out there just doing completely stupid things that it's so obvious you would do something different? Why would you pray for God to help them? How, how, does, that, how does that make sense? Let me help you for a second. Think with me real quick. And again, don't point because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Um, the person who annoys you the most, and they're easy to find. They're the people when they call, you don't answer. They're the person that when, they, when you see them and you're, you're out at the mall or Walmart or shopping, whatever it is you're doing, you, you instantly have to go into another store. Get, get that person. And for some of us, it was quick. You had that, that vision in your head fast. That, that was easy to do. Why would you show them love? Why would you pray for them? Why on earth would that be something that Jesus would even think might be a good idea? That's good you asked. Look at verse 46, verse 45. Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Verse 45, he says, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the, um, son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Th- this, is, this is huge. You get that when we show love to people that don't deserve it, we become a visible showing of Jesus. You get to be a visible showing of what people say is invisible. Lots of people that don't believe in God, and as I talk to friends of mine that are atheists and that that doubt that God even exists, the main thing that they constantly tell me is, Tim, I would believe if I could just see him. If he can create out of nothing, if he can make this mountain range and he can make llamas and he can create all these beautiful things in the world, if he can just show up where I could just see him just for a second, I'll believe. You realize when we show love to people who don't deserve it, when we show love to people who are our enemies, when we show love to people who are not like us, you become the visible showing of Jesus to somebody who thinks he's invisible. It's like when a little kid does something and you see it and it reminds you of their dad. Um, in, in Texas, my, my dad is, um, it's amazing how when you get older, you realize how smart your dad is. I used to think my dad was so dumb. Um, he had this weird little flip with his hair and then huge pork chop sideburns. Like as, as long as I can remember these huge big sideburns, um, always wore polyester pants, which I thought was just weird. Um, pointy cowboy boots and pearl snaps. Um, and that was my dad everywhere. It could be summertime. He'd be mowing the grass in pearl snaps, polyester pants, pointy cowboy boots. Um, he could be working on the car and that, that's just who he was. And, and as I would do stuff, it used to annoy me and I thought it was like somebody messing with me, but they would say things like, man, Tim, you're just like guy. That's my dad's name. You're, you're just like your dad. And at first I was like, man, you're a jerk. Uh, I'm nothing like my dad. And then the older that I've gotten, the more I realize how big of a compliment that is for someone to look at me and not see me, but see my dad, for me to do something that I saw my dad do all the time. And, and so much so that I do it, not even realizing it, but I, I do it in a way that it makes people think of my dad. That's what Jesus is saying here. You you realize when you show love to somebody who doesn't deserve love, you become a visible showing of Jesus to them. You show them who your dad is. You become children of God. You you show them what that looks like. What would happen if you showed that person that that annoys the fire out of you? (laughs) What would happen if you showed them unconditional love the way that Jesus has loved you? Based in grace, completely uncomfortable. And for some of us, it's just as weird as trying to hug somebody and their head follows you and you don't know what to do or where to go with it. What if you showed love, even though it's uncomfortable, 
And, and, and please don't misunderstand me. I, I'm not saying stay in abusive situations to show love. Because sometimes one of the best and one of the most powerful showings of love is to remove ourselves from abuse and pray for the person doing the abusing. One of the most powerful things we can do is show love wrapped in grace the exact same way Jesus shows us love wrapped in grace. And we become a visible showing of the invisible. Look, look, look at what he says next. He says he causes the sun to rise on evil and good. Verse 46, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Let me help you understand just a second who the tax collectors are because everybody hates the IRS, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Tax collectors are neighbors that have the dog that never shuts up. Tax collectors are the people at work that don't do their job that you have to cover for so that both of you don't get fired. Tax collectors are the, the people around you that constantly irritate you that are super hard for you to love. Tax collectors are the people who say one thing and completely do the opposite. Um, the hypocrites. Jesus is saying, man, even, even people, even people that, that are, are out there, they love people that are easy to love. He even says, even the pagans do that. Even people that don't believe in Jesus love the people who are easy to love. How are you showing the world anything different? How are we being different than, than normal by doing exactly what everybody else does? I, um, I had this, this guy come to my door several years. It's been, it was before I moved here. Um, I was a pastor at a church in Texas, and, and I'll never forget this day. I was actually going, we had Saturday service, um, and I was going to do a Saturday service and, and was getting ready, was dressed probably a lot like this. Um, dude knocks on my door. He was going house to house um, telling people about God, um, which sounds like a great thing at first. Dude knocks on my door, and I remember opening it, and, and he looks at me and goes, do you know where you'd go today if you were to die? And I thought, that's weird. Um, how are you doing? And I didn't even know his name yet, and I'm already going to die. So we start talking, but I've done this enough. I knew where he was going with it, and I knew, this, I knew what he was doing, and I could tell by how he was dressed. Um, anybody in a sweater vest and like pleated jeans and their hair that parts super tight to the side um, and they're carrying a big satchel and have this Rubik cube thing that has a cross on it. I know just exactly what you're doing. Um, and he was coming to tell me about Christ and, and knowing this, I like to mess with him um, just cause that's, I didn't have cable. So this is what I did for fun. Um, so he's like, Hey, do you know where you'd go if you were to die today? And I was like, no, tell me. Um, he's like, well, you're going to hell. I thought, wow, I'm Tim. Um, and so I, I start asking him questions. He starts telling me um, all the, the stuff that I've done wrong. I never met this dude before, so it was amazing how much he knew that I'd done wrong. Um, and time's going on, and I, I realize I'm about to be late because I'm, I'm going in for a service, so I, I finally have to stop this dude. I'm like, hey, man, I, just, I was messing with you, so I, I'm sorry. Um, I'm really not going to hell. <laughs> I, and I, I begin to regurgitate every VeggieTales, every VBS, every class I took in school, every verse I've ever read in the Bible that talks about how my life used to be this way, but I trusted Jesus with it. And now I'm a new creation, how all the sin through God's grace, all of the mercy that, that God poured on me, how it cleaned me and how I used to be this, but now I'm still screwed up, but God loves me. And this is me. And I told him all of these things. And I, man, th this is who I was, but God loves me so much. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm a son, man, I'm a child of the King of the universe. Um, and actually when I, when I die, I know exactly where I'm going. I'm going to stand before my creator and I'm going to get to see face to face the God who saved my life, thinking that that was a powerful response. And I'll never forget because a guy goes, 
son, do you know where you would go today if you were to die? And I thought for a second, that's when it hit me. He's judging me on how I look. Um, Cause there's probably not, I, I shouldn't go to heaven because of this. <laughs> and I get that. And we do that. We see people and we judge them on how their appearance. We judge people based on color of skin or um, what they look like, if they have tattoos, if they don't, if their hair's the right color, if it's the right length, if they're from the right social class. It, it's easy to do to, to look into that and be judgmental. And that's where this guy was. And I was stuck in a moment where one of two things was going to happen. One, I was going to let this guy know that I wasn't his son and I was probably going to go to jail. Um, or I could, could show him grace. And I wish I could stand before you guys as a, this beautiful testimony of saying, and I stood there and I said, sir, actually, I know Jesus. Let me pray for you. Um, that's not what I did at all. Um, I very angrily showed him the opposite of Jesus by asking him to get out of my porch and off my house. I, I, I shut the door in his face and went in and got ready to go to church. And it's haunted me since because I had a chance to be a visible showing of Jesus to a guy who doesn't know Jesus. I'm, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. To a guy who knows Jesus, just needed to see him. And maybe God put that guy there for me to show him what Jesus looked like through love. What if, what if God puts people like that around us with the sole intent for us to be visible of the invisible, for us to show them what God looks like. What, what I've done from that moment, because I can't go back in time and fix it, so now what I do every time I tell that story, every time I think about this guy, I pray that God uses him. Man, I pray that he's still pastoring in a church. I pray that he's still telling people about Jesus. I, I pray that God uses him in powerful ways, and I pray that this dude understands what grace and mercy looks like. And I pray that God puts him on the doorstep of somebody who's gonna show him since I didn't. What would it look like for us if we showed people the same grace that's uncomfortable, the same grace that doesn't make any sense, the same grace that sometimes when it grabs hold of us doesn't know when to let go. What if we showed people around us that same love and grace? Let's look at the end of this. Verse 48. And honestly, out of this whole passage, this is the verse that messed with my head the most. Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your, father, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect just as God in heaven is perfect. And that verse really messed with me up because I'm thinking I'm already not perfect. Getting up at five o'clock in the morning, there are things that shouldn't happen in my house that does. Um, and they're definitely not perfect. So I've already messed that up. How am I supposed to be perfect as you're perfect? And then I started reading this verse in context. As I started looking at this in context, this isn't Jesus saying, hey, Tim, go out and don't ever screw up. Go out and don't ever sin. Don't go out and don't ever do anything that, that's evil. Don't, don't do anything that's bad. That, that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, Tim, when you go out today, be perfect as I am perfect. When you go out today, love people the exact same way that I love you. When you go out today and people come around you that are easy to love, show them love and mercy and grace. When you go out today and there's people around you that don't deserve love, that are hard for you to love, that are on your every last nerve, Show them the same grace and mercy that I showed you. Be perfect as I'm perfect. Love people the way that I've loved you. What would happen today if we left this building and we prayed for people who are persecuting us? That, that person that you just thought of that drives you absolutely crazy. What would happen if you started praying for them that God would show up and bless them? 
that God would show up in their lives in powerful ways, that Jesus would shower them even right now in this moment with unconditional grace and mercy, even if they don't know God, that they would feel so just weirded out by peace that can only come from God. What if we started showing people that don't know Jesus the same love that he showed us? My my challenge for us, because I'm in this as well, when we walk out of here today, you have an opportunity to be a visible showing of the invisible creator of the universe. You have a chance to be flesh of God for someone else to see. You have a chance to walk out and to do something that nobody else does, to show love to people who don't deserve it, to pray for people who probably don't deserve your prayer, to pray and and to love people that are opposite of you and to show them the exact same grace that doesn't make any sense that God has shown you. And, And you get that if, If grace doesn't make sense, then it's probably not really grace. If grace is is so tiny that you can explain it, then that's not really grace. Because grace is amazing. Because it it gathers you up and and covers every part of you. And it, it does what only grace can do. It loves you through who you are because of who he is. We have a choice today to walk out of here and be like Jesus so that people see us and see him. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for, um, thank you for grace. <laughs> God, thank you for the, the fact that um, I screw it up all the time. The, the fact that no matter where I go, God, I'm supposed to do some, one thing and I, I usually don't. Um, God, for the, the fact that you've passionately, you, you've chased me with your love even when I've rejected it. Even when I don't know what to do with it, even when I treat it like some weird, awkward hug, you, you still hold me. And God, you still pour your grace out of my life. So Jesus, would you help me? And would you help us? Show the people that you've put around us what unconditional, what love looks like. So inadvertently, God, we can show them just a small glimpse of you. God, I can't help but think the valley would be different if we loved people the way that you loved us. And Jesus, if there's someone in this place right now that that maybe that's the entire reason they're here is they needed to hear that you love them, that they're not an enemy, God, that that you don't hate them in circumstances and things that have hit them from this world, that that hasn't happened because you're mad at them. And that the truth is that you passionately, because of grace, are deeply and intimately in love with them. And all you want is to show them what mercy and grace looks like. God, I pray that, that you would help that make sense in these next few moments. Use us today, God, as we leave this place to show what your love looks like and so that people see us and and through that they see you. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen.